You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network moving forward in the television show that is Nip Tuck. Once again, we are back to cover an episode of the show that we are only weeks away from finishing. This is the fifth last episode of Nip Tuck. It is entitled Virginia Hayes. Episode 96 of 100, first aired on the 3rd of February 2010. It was written by Hank Chilton. It was directed by Hank Chilton. It has a lot of Hank Chilton in this, and it's a it's a good episode. This is a weird thing for me to say in Season 6. I like this episode. My name is Ben, and you shouldn't be so rough on yourself. You're a very pretty girl. <laughs> and uh, my name's Mac, and we offer 20% off for law enforcement. Oh, how did you know I was a cop? Are you are you recording this? What's what's going on here? Well, I'm just saying we we, we uh, you know Oz Network offers twenty percent off, which you know twenty percent off is nothing. It's, it's still a good deal. That's when we have to start paying police to listen to us, but then we probably don't <laughs> want that to happen because we probably would be taken off the air. Um, yeah, I mean this is a very interesting episode. We've got a lot of stuff really harking back to the very first season, the very first episode. We have a very unique titular character, something that, you know, kind of identity theft. It's kind of interesting to think you feel like at this point, oh, yeah, we've explored everything that we can kind of do here, but we're still finding new ways to to get a, a titular character with an interesting backstory. So, um, yeah, I, I like this episode. Yeah, I think there's uh, definitely some some fun stuff. I, I like the the main character, and as you say, there's definitely a, a really interesting other storyline around um, Escobar, which is you know you, just when you think you've seen the last of this guy, there's there's more to see. Um, one of the things I really love about this is you know in, in the previously on we kind of you know see these shots from season one, and you're like, oh my god, like Christian and Sean have actually changed quite a lot. Like Christian looks like a completely different person. Like he's got big hair, like compared to what he's got now. It's um it's interesting. Yeah. I um I wrote that about Christian. It's like Jesus Christ, he looks so um so different. But um yeah, I mean it's it's interesting kind of to to have that real flashback. And uh, you know it 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 is a very minute flashback because I think we talked in season five, didn't we? During that massive break that we had in the middle, how the the previous one was so long to try and you know get people to remember everything that had happened around the Colleen stuff. Whereas this is kind of just like yeah, this is Sylvia. Yeah, this is this. Yeah, this is that. And it's still, I think it's, you know, I, I don't necessarily like it when they shove it down your throat. Because, yeah, I guess you've got these casually sort of viewers who, you know, tune in late. But, I mean, still, this is 2010. They know that if people really want to be invested in this show and have gotten into it during Season 6, they, they've got their ways and means they can go back and watch the older seasons. And I think it's more of a case of rewarding the long-term fans of this show to really be like, yeah, you know, I remember the whole Silvio Perez and things like that. Because I, I think you don't necessarily need to always shove it down your throat for... for three minutes saying everything that's happened in six seasons of the show. Yeah, totally. I think that we kind of get the important information that we need for this episode right up front. And, um, yeah, it, it is really good. We can kind of just move on with the storyline and it kind of goes, you know, straight into it, obviously, with the, um, the very first scene of the, of the episode proper. Which is, uh, straight away meeting, uh, a young girl. Um, it is Escobar's daughter, uh, Aurelio, Aurelia, uh, I cannot say her name. Escobar's daughter, um, who is 15 and she's, uh, here to basically, uh, find out questions, find out some answers about Silvio Perez and, uh, Sean and, uh, mainly Christian really here are quick to deny that they know anybody by this name. Um, and I, I was kind of working out the timeline here because I thought maybe there was a continuity error because we find out that she was molested when she was six. 
but she's 15 now, which means she was nine, or as we find out in this episode, eight, when Uncle Silvio went missing. So, I, I mean, obviously, she doesn't remember being molested, so that's kind of not the the glaring problem with kind of the timeline of this show, which they say at some point in this episode. But uh, Sean and Christian are basically straight away like, nope, we can't help, uh, you know, nothing we can do. Uh, she's talking about the sins of a father that she's kind of going to have to live with. We also get a little bit of a line that... Um, that the the wife, her mother, has died since uh, the finale of season four, so they don't kind of really uh, gel over that. Unless, unless maybe it was a different mother, like maybe she uh, has a different mother. He fathered her with a different, you know, like the wife. I guess that we had at the end of season four. Um, and then after the credits, we kind of get this um, great scene. I, 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 it's been a while since we've had a real Liz Sean Christian sort of scene like this. Um, and just, you know, sort of Sean's obviously feeling a bit of guilt. Christian's saying like, no, we're not doing anything about it. Liz really putting a foot down here. You know, we've finally gotten rid of him. We're not, you know, bringing this up again. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do kind of like how they're setting this up and it, it really is a case where we maybe should be at this point rolling our eyes going, oh God, we've put this story to bed. We don't need to hear it anymore. But there's just something about this storyline that always intrigues me. And I just, I love the fact that there's so many layers to the Escobar story that we can still find another way and we're not sick of this. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. And um, I just want to kind of go back to the daughter. There's no way that she's supposed to be 15. I mean, I, I don't know how old no. that actress is at the time, but you know, she definitely looks like in her 20s as opposed to, you know, in her, being 15. Um, but, yeah, and, and I think probably the, the other thing there is, you know, this is kind of classic Sean, I suppose, but even by Sean standards, um, trying to do the right thing, he must know this is just not a good idea. Um, that nothing he's uh, saying is really going to help anybody. Um, and, you know, like his dealings with the, the you know, Gallardo family is that he'd just want to stay away completely. So it's one of those things that feels like a bit of a stretch that Christian, uh, sorry, that Sean would want to go down this road um you think he'd just want to stay away completely to be honest yeah no i i i agree it's kind of they do go bipolar a little bit with kind of their reaction to that but i mean ultimately i think when i first saw this episode um i knew that it was going to lead down a certain way and it doesn't help when you get spoiled by the opening credits that say special guest star Robert Lasato. But, you know, you, yeah, you kind yeah. of know that there's going to be an appearance here in some form or another. And, I mean, like, I felt so stupid in that interview with Robert Lasato, kind of completely forgetting that this happened. But I think that he's just such a, a relevant character to this whole, you know, six-season run of Nip Tuck that I would have felt robbed if we never got one more appearance from him. Um So... Which is great. And it's kind of, it's a similar thing that I'll say about Ava and watch this space. Um, so just a slight spoiler there if I've just completely, or maybe I'm just getting people excited. But, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that we're going to get him at least in this episode. Yeah, I think it's it's really good. It would have felt really weird to, to go through all of season six without some kind of Escobar content. You know, it feels just like it's something that you have to have for such a major character. Um, you know, I said at the start that I wanted to see these callbacks and, you know, I would be lying if I said I wasn't excited to see Escobar here, even though I'm quite often the one that doesn't like these dream sequences or things like that. But I think I've always made it a, um, you know, a, a, a something of a exception for Escobar just because he's such an amazing character. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, we meet uh, our titular character for this episode, sort of. Um, Virginia Hayes, at least that's who we think this is, uh, to begin with, uh, who starts off by talking about how she wants to be a 10 back home, 
uh, she was called a 10. And we get that line that uh, the bouncer said to me, right this way, 10. And I kind of, like, I like how they do the flashback in some capacity, but at the same time, I wish they didn't do it, as that would be a real reward for those who know from that very first episode. Because, I mean, we talked about how much that was an iconic scene in the very first episode. Um, I mean, you literally type in Nip Tuck into Google, and one of the first things that does come up is a YouTube entry for Christian Explains to Kimber the Perfect Ten. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's that much of a, an iconic scene. So I, I understand and appreciate why we get that flashback to the first episode when Kimber says it, but at the same time, it is one of those real, like, rewarding lines, I think, for long-term fans of this show to kind of really pay attention to that is. But we, um, we meet this woman, she, she wants, she's an actress, she wants to uh, be more attractive for her role. She's offering to have sex with Christian on the table. Um, and, you know, Christian sort of kind of alludes a lot to what we're facing these days, doesn't he? When he says, like, you know, oh, it used to be okay to sleep your way to the top, but sexual harassment ruined it for everyone. Um, Which, this is eight years before, you know, Harvey Weinstein and Me Too and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's not like it wasn't a sort of movement... Uh, back in the past people um but uh yeah i mean it's it's an interesting it's an interesting start because you you do sympathize with this character she says like you know i've moved all the way out here to kind of you know not have people you know i want to go back and people know who i am i want to go back and have people uh you know see that i've made it so uh yeah i mean i think it's kind of again you're sympathizing with this woman and right now well what weird stuff could be happening at this point yeah, um, I kind of really like the the callbacks to Kimber here, and I think even when she kind of says the you know right this way ten or whatever it is, you know, like just the way Christian's head snaps up, I think is really good. And um, this actress looks so familiar, and I just, I spent quite a bit of time on the IMDb you know page trying to figure out where I knew her from, and kind of came up blank. There wasn't there wasn't a role that kind of jumped out at me. It's like oh yeah, that's where she's from. Um, so you know, hopefully I'll figure that out at some point. Um, I think it's it's a really interesting whole thing about you know, what you need to to do to, to stand out in somewhere like Hollywood. Um, not something I can usually relate to myself, surprise, surprise, but um, you know, I do like this idea that, you know, people do need to be able to stand out in this world if they want to make a change. And, um, yeah, I, I do, I like the setup we get here. I think it's really interesting where we take this character. Um, I really like this, this actress. I think she works well in this role. I'm looking at it too because she did have a face to me where I was kind of, like, familiar. She was in an episode of Third Watch, but she's not, like, as soon as I saw the word Third Watch, it's not, like, one of these ones where I'm like, ah, yeah, Third Watch! She was in the fourth episode of the first season, so, uh, she played Babe. Um, that really doesn't help me. <laughs> but has she been in Lost? Has she been in Lost? Have we found our first three person here? No, damn it. Um, I swear I'm going to find one of these people. Um, can I just say the soundtrack to this episode is incredible? Um, because we get to our, uh, surgery scene here and, uh, we get a bit of Missing You by John Waite. Great song. Um, the editing yeah. here with the, uh, the breast well, implants. Uh, Go ahead. 
I mean, just to cut in on you there, Ben, I think you know, it's deliberately done so we get the kind of callbacks to, you know, the, the kind of um, Escobar 80s stuff, you know, and, and that's really cool. I love that. I love that we're kind of getting those callbacks to this really, you know, memorable villain. It's cool. It's so good. Yeah, and I guess that, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, whenever Escobar was on the show, we talked about how amazing the music is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's great sort of, you know, reminding her a little bit, of, reminding Christian a little bit of Kimba kind of with everything there. So, you know, it's great surgery scene, great editing as well. Um, Sean comes home and this scene, like, look, this isn't the one that I'm saying I'm going to fight for to be in the top ten. I'd love uh, the top five, sorry. I'd love for this to be in the top five. I think this is another great scene. Uh, and who knows? We could be short on things here that I've just at least put a little asterisk on here. But I think we've had at least about three now, haven't we, this season where we've said, like, eh, yeah, maybe it could sneak in. And I, I know at least there's got to be one in the finale that will definitely make the top five, maybe two. But um, we have Sean come home. He starts having a bit of a drink. He's got some pills and... His uh, stereo starts playing some cars by Gary Newman, and he kind of keeps, um, you know, fixing it. <laughs> and you just know, like, you know, I love the way they do this. It's just so fantastic because we know what's about to happen, but they kind of just play it off. And then here we go. We see an alligator in his living room, and Escobar just kind of comes in all nonchalant <laughs> as he's having a bit of a, a flashback here, or I guess his um, vision. It's not really a flashback. And it's kind of implied that this is a metaphor for Christian, this uh, alligator. This is the one that sort of, you know, it's ruined him. And I, I love the way they kind of do this because, you know, I you kind of watch this thinking, like, are they implying that they want Sean to kill Christian? Which, you know, would have been a whole other kettle of fish. But, like, it's just kind of just this relationship. This is kind of, you know, really weighed down on him. And, you, you know, we see uh, Escobar shoot the alligator, cutting open the, the alligator and running through his stomach with some Peter Pan references in there too, which I like. And... You know, we get that line there from Escobar where he just basically says, like, you know, you either eat or be eaten, and we kind of have this, you know, severed hand in the alligator with Sean McNamara wristband on it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. Like, I just, you know, it's it's not as good, I think, as um, the one we had in Season 4 with... Uh, I've gone blank on the babysitter's name now. Uh, you know, obviously, which I was such a huge advocate for it, that sort of drug-induced scene, and I uh, talked a lot to Robert Lozado about that in the interview, but... Um, yeah, this is, this is just a great scene. It just, it just really, I can't speak highly enough every time Escobar comes on our screen and we have cars play and we just have these visions. Like, just, they're just, the scenes are fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's kind of everything you want it to be. I think probably the only thing I, I don't like about it is that, um, is the fake, um, alligator or crocodile or whatever it is. It's just like when he's, when he's kind of cutting it open and it's, you know, like this, this horrible kind of, rubber puppet type thing um you know it's just one of those things that kind of almost takes you out of the moment but other than that i mean it's a really small detail on what is an amazing scene so yeah you you won't get any arguments from me it's it, it's a really cool scene and yeah i'm it wouldn't surprise me at all if we're coming back and talking about this um in you know at, at the end of the season i think one of the things i love about it too is that you know like we should kind of be getting sick of this this kind of callbacks yeah. to stuff we've seen but we're not because it is really good yeah, no, that's, that's exactly my point from before. Like, it's, this is one of those things on a show that, you know, you really should be rolling your eyes going, oh my God, let it go. Like, we've had enough of this. But they just find layers to the Escobar storyline that even when the guy's dead, um, yeah. you know, I mean, I am like, again, we will talk about this in a few weeks when we do our season wrap up. If this was something that they did bring back and rebooted, you would know they would find a way to bring Escobar back into it. You know, he's the gift that keeps yeah. on giving. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate this stuff. And yeah, you're like, it's just weird that we don't get sick of this. Um, and maybe it is a case too that we haven't had anything really for two seasons, have we? I mean, a season and a half. 
essentially. Uh, you know, nothing in season five. If I'm not mistaken, that's the only season he doesn't make an appearance in. So, um, I think that also might be a thing too. And like, I don't know about you when you come to the conclusion of one of your show, favorite shows that you love, but I'm a real advocate for bringing back past characters and bringing back you know, actors, even if they've been dead for a long time, even if they've just done and dusted their thing. Like, you know, I always like to use ER as the example of, you know, a show that ran for 15 seasons, killed a bunch of people off, you know, started the careers of George Clooney, you know, these huge name people. But, you know, George Clooney still gave the show respect enough to come and appear on an episode right at the very end, you know. And uh, Anthony Edwards was killed off as Dr. Green in about season eight. They still found a way to do one more episode with him, you know, in a in sort of a flashback episode. So, you know, I, I love that when shows do it and they do it right but not to the point where it's overkill, where kind of you're like, oh, okay, like, they're back now, we get it. So I, I like the fact that knowing that this show's only got five weeks to go, here's our Escobar episode, ticked off the bucket list, you know, I'd be screaming on the top of a mountain, you know, screaming blue murder if Ava never returned again. So we'll get that in a few weeks. But, yeah, I, um, I, I'm definitely happy that this is what they did at this point of the show. Yeah. Yep, very much so. I don't think I can kind of add anything to it. I, I totally agree with you there. I think it's rewarding the long-term fans of the show. So, yeah, everything about it kind of works for me really well. Now we uh, have a woman coming in looking a bit dishevelled. She's looking for Virginia Hayes, and we're wondering who this woman is. Uh, and we find out that uh, she's the real Virginia Hayes, and this other woman's an imposter, and she's had her identity stolen. She drives a Lexus. She's driving an, 80, an 87 Corolla, and her whole life has essentially been screwed because this woman's stolen identity. She's lost everything. She can't get a job. She's been divorced. Um, and again, like, this is something that just it's surprising. We've never explored identity theft kind of six seasons in. So... Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's an interesting setup. And is it just me or does this woman remind you of Gina? It's kind of interesting how you've got like this woman, the first woman, uh, you know, who we're going to find out is actually called Marcy. He's a bit of a Kimber and this woman's a bit of a Gina. So I, I don't know if that was a deliberate thing or I'm just kind of reading too much into it. But, um, you know, it's, I, I definitely see comparisons between those two, uh, through these characters. Yeah, very much so. I think you, you kind of get that physical similarity, um, that kind of, you know, sp- kind of spiciness to her, I suppose you'd say. Um, yeah, it, it definitely matches up, I think. Um, this is a kind of a cool reveal as well, I think. Um, it's kind of not what you expect, and we kind of get used to this now. I mean, any, almost every patient that kind of comes through at the start of these episodes now has got a bit of a backstory that um, gets revealed as we go along. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're really used to it now, but it, it, it's still really fun. So, yep, I think well played i think yeah as you say kind of as well like this this character has that slightly kind of disheveled not the right word but obviously you know has lived a hard life um because of what's happened to her from this other woman um yeah i think it, it, it's really well done um are we are we chalking this up to another bad uh, reception staff or is it okay because christian was kind of there as she walked well- in it's a tricky one because she kind of goes to reception and you don't think it was that far away from her just walking past anyway. But I mean, Christian kind of steps in. Maybe, maybe they've just implemented a new policy where the uh, reception staff sucks. So we're always going to be within earshot when somebody starts yelling at the reception desk or something like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think we can kind of give this one a little bit of a pass. Um, we're at a park now and, uh, Chris, uh, sorry, Sean is meeting up with Escobar's daughter. I just want a special note to that really kind of like creepy music that plays in the background. It's kind of like a sort of a lullaby sort of creepy music. It's, it's effective. Like it kind of works with this scene, but Sean essentially admits everything to her about what happened. 
Um, short of saying that we dumped his body in a swamp with <laughs> hams and an alligator. Um, and basically she's saying like, thank you for telling me, you know, and we obviously find out, well, she tells him that she was, um, molested, uh, as well. But like, I mean, I love this episode. I don't, but like, there's just some sort of plotty holes in this. Like, why would Sean want to, like, I get the, you know, getting rid of the guilt, but is Sean that dumb? Like, I mean, how, how does he not know that she's not playing informant to the FBI? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that, uh, just, this is one thing that does slightly annoy me with this episode, is the fact that he just, his guilt really gets to the point where he's only got himself to blame with kind of what's going to happen. Well, I mean, nothing really does happen, spoiler alert, but I mean, what could potentially happen with this situation moving forward, which would have been a very interesting uh, sort of conclusion to this show. If they had have gone down the route of maybe after six seasons, they finally get caught up for the crime that you know, they sort of were involved in from the first episode. Yeah, that would have been fun if we weren't kind of four episodes from home, you know, like <laughs> if that had been kind of what they decided to go with for the whole of season six, then yeah, I could totally buy that. And, and you're totally right. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And, and, you know, I know Sean's the guy that wants to do the right thing. And, you know, so you can kind of understand it from that perspective, but even he wouldn't go to this level to, to, you know, to feel like he'd cleaned his conscience, you know, just, it, it's a step too far for me, I must say. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we then get, uh, Marcy's at the chemist, at the pharmacy. She's trying to get some pills for, she's obviously done the runner. I should have mentioned that before, that she did a runner from the hospital. Uh, and Christian's caught her because, um, she, he's called up all the, uh, local pharmacies to give him a call should somebody try and fill this fake prescription. Um, she is, uh, you know, scared at this point, but he then offers to give her free liposuction, um, in order to sort of help the situation at hand. Meanwhile, though, when we get back to the, uh, the surgery table, he's actually cutting open a chest because, uh, he is repossessing her breast implants. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, and then she wakes up, finds out they've been taken out, and, uh, he says, look, you know, um, I'll let you recover here for two days, here's a number for a woman's shelter, she asks for the number for the real Virginia, and, um, basically, that's gonna be, uh, the setup there for what's gonna lead up to that soon, so, uh, I mean, not a whole lot really to go over here, I think, but, uh, I will say, this actress who plays Marcy slash Virginia, Kate Norby, whether we don't recognise her or not, she, she does a good job in this role. Yeah, I think so. I think it, 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 it's a little bit of a complex role, really, in terms of you, you need to feel a little bit of sympathy for her at times, um, but at other times you have to feel the complete opposite, really. Um, and I think, you know, you, you kind of have to feel on Christian's side here at points two. Um, yeah, so it, it does work for me. Um, yeah, like you say, there's not a whole lot to go over here, really. It's um, it's pretty straightforward, really, but it is it, it is interesting to kind of watch this play out and yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to go in a, a very interesting direction as we get to the end of it. And that's because the FBI is here all of a sudden. Um, and they're here to talk about Silvio Perez because it's uh, revealed that Escobar's daughter has gone to the feds to tell them everything. Um, I do kind of like the way Christian sort of plays off this, you know, straight away. Like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, yeah, they sort of talk about how they know they've had some dealings with Escobar before. 
Um, and they started an active investigation and they request all their files, uh, be sent over from their days in Miami and kind of leaves like, oh, they're all over the place since I'll move from Miami. I'll get them to you. Um, and then, yeah, your opening line, they then offer 20% of a discount to law enforcement agencies, um, going out of there. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's inevitable that this is probably going to happen, I think, really. Uh, you know, going over the dumbness of Sean slightly, but, um, we kind of get this fight between Christian and Sean, which has more visions of Escobar here and, uh, Escobar. I like, I like how it's kind of, you know, Escobar telling him to say things, like be real, like gangster with it. Um, mm. so, I mean, I like this scene. It's kind of, again, I remember watching this guy, like, he's not going to say, like, kill Christian, is he? That's going a bit too far, but yeah, it's, um, it's it's very interesting just the way he's kind of like getting him to try and speak all like gangster and homie at this point. Yeah, it is really good, and it, yeah, just it's just one of those things. Like every time Escobar's on scene, it's you know, on on camera, it's really good, um, and you can't help but enjoy it. It's it's just awesome. Um, yeah, just one of those things. Can I just get a, a real simple yes or no answer out of you? Um, does this come back up again before the end of the show? I'd love to give you a simple one because I, <laughs> like, in all honesty, I, I, I just want to say no, but like, judging my track record, I've been wrong in the past. But I mean, again, I think I said this before, I'm about 98% certain it's a no. Um, so, but again, there's that 2% chance that I could be wrong, but I'm going to say no. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're going to assume that this is just like, you know, just a basically past time in this episode, then I guess all you're enjoying is like, this is just a, like a gratuitous callback, more or less, you know, like we're just getting, it's just here to get Escobar back for an episode. And I wish it was a little bit more kind of um, infiltrated into the show. So it's not just about this kind of, this one-off episode. Um, that's really annoying if that is the case. Um, I just wish there was more to it than that. Um Am I willing to let it go because we get Escobar? You probably yes. That's the answer. You know, like I'm I'm okay with it because we get such a cool character back for one episode. But it does feel like a I don't want to go as far as to say waste of time, but it does feel like a real kind of um, like a detour for no good reason. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're saying, uh, and I think kind of knowing what happens in the rest of this season, it kind of it can be a bit of a, a downer on it. Um, but at the same time, it's you know, going back to what I was saying, I, I do like the fact that we kind of have this come back um, to an extent. But yeah, like I, I can definitely see that point. But maybe my two percentness is is going to turn out to be true. I, I I'm ninety eight percent certain that this is it, though. So um, you can bring that up if I'm wrong. Um, so meanwhile, uh, Marcy wakes up. Virginia's over her bed. She kills her with a pillow. Um, so, you know, things are still going on here, uh, badly. Christian comes in and wants to apologize for everything and finds out that she's dead. And, um, we find out that Liz is going through, uh, sorry, that Sean is going through the files. Nothing is being backed up on the computers, luckily, that is. And then Christian says that Marcy is dead. Now, this is maybe, again, another thing that kind of slightly irks me in terms of how they get all panicky here, which I'm going to sound like a hypocrite when I say that I like how this leads to a scene soon, but why do they have to be so panicky about the fact that she's died? Because, yeah, okay, she is like, oh, I brought her in because I took her breast implants out, but they're basically just saying nobody knows who she is. So they could have simply said, oh, yeah, she came in for some breast implant. Uh, she came in for liposuction, 
but she coded out before we got her in surgery because of a breast implant. I don't know that. I'm sure there's a better story they can do. They're doctors. They can come up with lines here and there. And if this woman has nobody that she knows, then what's it going to make a difference? So I, I feel like they just go to the, the quick fire option pretty quickly here. <laughs> it's kind of like once he's like, oh shit, we're panicking. Twice it's like, okay, we're getting good at this. Three times it's just they're lazy now. Like, ah, we'll just get rid of them now. And obviously I like the fact that they, you know, we know they've got no alligators here in California. So, I mean, that would have been a massive plot hole if all of a sudden that uh, had to come up again. Uh, Liz comes in uh, saying there's a code blue um, and that basically you've got to fix this. And the, the one bit here in terms of the timeline that I do want to point out here is um, Sean says, Sylvia Perez has been on our back for 10 years now. It's been six, Sean. Um, how many years, <laughs> how many years passed again between Sean and, uh, you know, Kimber and Christian getting married? I think there's been a few more years that have just slipped by the cracks here. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, this whole thing's quite funny. I love that it kind of starts with, um, you know, the, the Julia McNamara school of murder, you know, like we just <laughs> put a pillow over somebody's face until they're dead. Um, so that's quite good. Um, and yeah, you're right. It does feel like that they go to, um, the absolute kind of worst case scenario of like, we're going to get rid of this body. Like, could they not have said, oh, like, basically this person came in for, you know, um, for breast implants, um, couldn't pay for them, then came back because she'd stolen somebody's identity and couldn't pay for them and, you know, and asked us to take them out again. Yeah. Um, and then this woman came in and did what she did. Like, it does feel like, I guess because they're under investigation for this other murder is, is kind of what we're leading to here is that, you know, they don't want to get, you know, this looks this is a really bad time for something like this to happen, but it's an even worse time for this them to be discovered doing what they what they do next. You know, yeah. it just it feels like they just they go to absolute kind of this is the worst possible thing they could do here, and uh, yeah, it, it it just feels a bit too much, I must say. Yeah, and that's this is maybe the one thing in this episode that really just I'm like, okay, no, this is like a bit, you know, weird. But I will say it does lead to an absolutely fantastic ending of an episode. Um, we have them driving all the way out to the desert, dig a hole, they bury her uh, in the ground. They want to wear gloves in case, you know, they go to the chair and everything along those lines. But this is a scene that I will fight for being in the final five. I just, this, I always remember this scene. Uh, this is another one of these scenes where the song just really reminds you of this scene. They're just driving back in complete silence from the desert. Sean turns on the radio, um, to which we then hear drive by the car. It's just such an incredible song and kind of leads to a bit of a vision there of Escobar in the back and he's mentioning about, you know, they never make shit how they used to anymore. And then we get that line again from Christian doing exactly the same thing. Uh, it's just such a little subtle little scene. And this is the farewell to Escobar scene now. This is it. He's no longer going to be in this show anymore from this point on. But, uh, I mean, I'm just such an advocate for this. This is such an amazing scene. It's just, it's just one of these ones that I remember. I think most Nip Tark fans remember. It's just, it's iconic in that aspect that it's maybe not, you know, over the top and, you know, violent or someone's dying. It's just a subtle scene that sits in your memory long enough that I feel needs to be warranted with a sort of a Hall of Fame mention. Yeah, I mean, you won't get any argument from me. I, I probably don't love it quite as much as you do, but it's, it's a, it is a good scene. You're totally right. Um, what I do like is, you know, the, the song choice is really cool. So obviously you're saying it's, you know, drive by the cars. And obviously, you know, Escobar's signature song on the show has always been My Car or whatever it's called. You know, so there's kind of that link, you know, the songs kind of linked from the same time period. 
So I really like that. Um, and I do, yeah, for me, the bit that I love the most, and it'll come as no shock to you, is when they're in the car on the drive back. You know, for me, that's the that's the part I really like um, is because it's these two guys kind of, you know, silently, I guess, processing what they've just done. And then you get a little bit of dialogue from them, but not a whole lot. And, you know, it, it, is, it is really cool. And I think these two being able to pull off the scene, which kind of has no dialogue and it's just them sitting in a car basically saying nothing and being able to pull that off i think is really cool yeah yeah i agree uh and hopefully we'll be talking about that scene again in a few more weeks but uh we're getting through these episodes pretty quickly all of a sudden i feel like people probably think we're rushing these because we're trying to get you know to the end we're sick of doing this we're not like it's it seems to be a case we're just not bagging out these episodes as much or you know we're just finding that there's not a whole lot to talk about so we're just kind of skipping through them pretty quickly so uh, another sort of short well, episode for us just... here today. Go, go for it. Yes, please yeah, add more I... time to it, Nick. Yeah, if I am going to add some more time, I think probably the reason why that's happening is it's got nothing to do with we want to get this over with or, you know, we don't have time to do these or whatever. It's just that um, I think a lot of these episodes have a lot of setup. Um, mm. You know, like it, it, you, quite often you're getting kind of, if it's a 40-minute, 45-minute episode, whatever it is, is that quite often you're getting 30 minutes of setup and then like the, the payoff uh, kind of happens real fast. And so normally when you talk about shows like this, you spend more time talking about this, the, the payoff than you do the Setup. So I think it's just that there's a lot more time spent in the setup than there is in the payoff. And it would be interesting to go back to kind of season one, two, and, and kind of see if we were doing the same thing. If it was really getting to kind of, you know, 35 minutes into the episode or 30 minutes into the episode, and then you start the payoff scenes. I think if I was going to guess, I would say there's probably more payoff. I think that the, the also the, the kind of season one, two episodes are not as maybe as formulaic as these ones are in terms of, you know, this much setup, bang, then you start the payoff. I think it's kind of cut backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Um, I think there's a few, you know, different types of episodes. And I think we're probably going to talk about one of those different types of episodes next week anyway. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. I'm just trying to see here, at least at the time of recording this, that our longest ever episode we did was actually the premiere of season three, Mama Boone. Um, So uh, interesting that that was our longest. Actually, if you go through our top five longest episodes... Uh, three of them with season three episodes. <laughs> and that's probably just us bagging the shit out of, um, certain elements of that. But then we look at season two recap was our second longest. And then actually a season six episode, episode five, Abigail Sullivan was our fifth longest episode. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It'd be interesting to go through these statistics, uh, at the end of our run, um, to really kind of go over those times and numbers. Our shortest episode, incidentally, um, was actually season four, episode 12, Diana Lubay. Uh, and we love season four. So, uh, there you go. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Speaking of interesting, it's time to review this episode. Nick, are we buying it, renting it, or binning it? Oh, I just feel like I, I'm stuck in a rent kind of uh, zone here at the moment, but it does feel like another rent. I think there's some some really good stuff in here, um, and I think it is really good, but I think all that Escobar stuff is, although a lot of fun, is kind of just doesn't really have a lot of point. And if we were kind of in the middle of Season 5 where we had that long season where, you know, we've got some filler episodes or some storylines that maybe don't link to everything else, that would be, you know, potentially fine and a lot 
lot better. But, you know, when we're four episodes from home now, this feels like a really bad place to suddenly stop down and have, like, you know, something of a kind of detour into what is essentially just a little bit of kind of callbacks and nostalgia for the early days of the show. So, yeah, it does kind of feel like the wrong place to be doing this. But like I said, there's still some fun stuff there. I think the the kind of Virginia storyline is, is really interesting. As you say, it, it ends with a great scene. So it's it maybe potentially on the higher side of the of the rent line. But yeah, it's definitely a rent. Well, speaking of Abigail Sullivan, that was the last time you and I had given different ratings. Ever since then, we've had the same ratings. But I'm buying this episode. Um, I I enjoy it. I think it's a you know season six episode. It's a great episode. You know, in terms of season sixness. Um, I actually have this ranked at 45th overall out of uh, 96 episodes, so uh, that means it will make the top five, uh, unless uh, the top 50%, I should say, not the top five, Sam Ben know how to speak properly. Uh, so I have this currently as the second best uh, season six episode, so there you go, that's how highly I think of this one. So yeah, at this stage, it will make the top 50 episodes of Nip Tuck, so um I bet you didn't think I was going to have two season six episodes in the top 50 at the beginning of this season, but uh, somehow two have snuck in, albeit in the very lower half of the top 50. But um, next week, we move into our fourth last ever episode of Nip Tuck. Can we just say that again? Fourth last episode. Holy crap. Um, it's called Dr. Griffin. It's basically people in um, in therapy. And I'm just going to say this straight from the bat. The reason I have a particular fondness for this episode, I talk about actors being uh, from one show to the other and Third Watch, Lost and Nip Tuck, our three main ones that we're covering, at least at this point. We actually have, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we've had a major main cast member from Third Watch actually be in Nip Tuck and actually be in another one of the shows we're covering. She's only got a very small role in this episode next week, but Molly Price, a.k.a. Faith Yokus. Um, who I am arguing on Third Watch is the main star of Third Watch over six seasons, the most consistent of all the characters. She is, and look out for her, because you're probably going, Ben, who is she? She is the woman whose husband... They're the ones in therapy before Sean and Christian come in, and she's the woman who ultimately has the gun and shoots someone in the episode. So... Yes. Yeah, that's not that's not a that's not a tiny piece of the character. She's quite an important part of that, you know, even though there's not a lot of it. Um, yeah. So, oh, well, that's cool. It's, um, you know, to me, it's a um, like surprisingly gripping episode of the show. Yeah. Like considering most of it happens in one room, um, it just it, it is really good. It's a very dialogue heavy episode, and um, I think probably in terms of what I like in the show, it probably hits a lot of my sweet spots. Um, so it's probably not a huge surprise to people that know me and know what I like in the show that it, it is one I actually really like, and I think it's probably quite polarizing. Like some people probably hate it because they feel like nothing happens. But to me, it kind of, this is, this is one of those ones that is just, it's just really cool to watch all these guys play off each other. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it is, I like this episode, not just because of the Molly Prices. I mean, Molly Price is just such an underrated actor and, um, yeah, anyway, we'll talk about all that next week. It's, it's, it's a memorable one, that's for sure. But, uh, we really are now, I mean, there's, there's nothing we can keep saying this every single week. There's freaking four episodes to go. I mean, this is one disc of a DVD set, essentially, to go of Nip Tuck from this point on. So, uh, yeah, we really, really are into the final month now of Nip Tuck. Get excited. In the meantime, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe online. And make sure that you do stay up to date with all our other shows that we're covering. And let us know your thoughts as we really are closing this show out. 
uh, in our final month, as I just said, uh, of Nip Tuck. But we'll be back next week. My name is Ben, and I'm just Marcy Hamill from DeMail. <laughs> and uh, my name's Nick, and uh, would you bang me right there on that desk? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.